Well, good morning, church family. It's good to see you today. I'm glad the rain did not uh, keep you guys away, and it didn't, did it? Y'all are awake and vibrant and ready to, to worship, and uh, uh, it was hard to sit down when we were singing those last two songs. I don't know about you, but I, I came that close to standing up, but I thought, I don't know if that might freak somebody out if they stood up and we all told us to sit down. But anyway, Trey, I came that close to standing um, I love the songs we sang this morning. I don't know about you, but um, one of the songs that we sang, that first one, Let It Rise, I looked over and I told Tina, I said, this reminds me of Promise Keepers. Any of you guys ever heard of Promise Keepers? Uh, that was a, something that God used in my life years ago just to, um, just to bring me, I think, into a closer walk with him. And that was a song that was um, just sung back in, I guess, the 90s and uh, early 2000s back at the Promise Keepers events. And uh, it was, what a phenomenal thing. If you don't know what Promise Keepers is, it's a men's organization. Uh, they're still in existence, but way back then when I was like, and so many churches were on the bandwagon for that, not that they're not now, but imagine a football stadium, right? 80,000 plus people, but being filled of men just wanting to sing and worship the, the, the Lord. And that's what it was like. And we sang songs like Let It Rise, and it was just really, really good. Um, We've had a great week. I've had a great week here, my first full week, and my office is looking great. Love my study. If you haven't seen it, you ought to come by there. Um, somebody's made fun of me because I'm in the old nursery. What's that say? Huh, I don't know. But we, we, we almost got a picture of me and Trey sitting under that sign that said nursery. But, uh, but if you've been here for a while, you know where it is. And if you haven't been here for a while, let me tell you where it is. It's that way. So just go that way and just keep on going and you'll find it. Smell the fresh paint or the coffee and you'll find my office. But it's been a great week. I was telling somebody, I said, man, this, this is the honeymoon period. I mean, it's, it's just been really, really well. And if you think, what are you talking about? But most of the time when pastors go to a new church, they have something called a honeymoon period. And it might, might last for weeks. It might last for years. And, and this sweet person said, well, you've only been there for what, four or five days. And I said, Tina, will you be quiet? You know, so I was talking to Tina about that. Well, hey, if you got your Bibles, and I trust you do, turn with me over to the Gospel of Luke, the third Gospel, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 8 this morning. Um, so I hope you got your Bibles with you. What a unique message I think God has in store for us today. We started last week talking about our core values, and one of the things I said last week was that we ought to be able to take these core values, these four foundation stones, if you will, and apply them to any Jesus-loving, Bible-believing church, where it's here in Sherrall or all the way out in L.A., right? Because if you love Jesus and if you're a Bible-believing church, these four foundational posts, if you will, or stones, if you will, it's, it's our DNA of any church like us, of like faith and order. Last week, we talked about biblical authority, and today we're going to talk about transformational worship. Wouldn't y'all agree that it's good for us to come together and worship corporately? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're here, and I'm thankful for the folks that are joining us online and look forward to the day that you feel comfortable and safe enough uh, to come back and worship with us corporately here. But when we come together for worship, I appreciate what Bill said. Uh, when we come together for worship, we come to hear or to have an opportunity for God, not only for us to hear him speak to us, but, but for us to speak to him in, in worship. And we do that through song, and we do that through participating in, in reading of his word to us. He doesn't want you to be a spectator. He wants you to join him in actively worshiping him. I mean, after all, he is the great I am, right? So we're to worship him because he is worthy of worship, and he desires our worship. So every day 
what your life ought to consist of is something like this. You're going to carve out 15, 20, 30 minutes. If you've got longer, carve that time out and just give that time to God and just have, have time with him one-on-one, mano-a-mano, if you will. Um, can you imagine if you're married, never talking to your spouse and going a day without talking to him or her? Uh, it would be quite awkward and it wouldn't be healthy for your marriage. And it's not healthy for your relationship with the Lord if you, if you don't spend time with him in prayer. So, so carve out 15, 20, 30 minutes of your day and just allow God to speak to you. And you say, well, man, I don't really know how to do that. Give me a call, come see me, and I'll sit down with you and share with you, this is how I do my personal quiet time with the Lord. And it's changed through the years, but I feel like where I am now is, 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 is sweet. I'm hitting my sweet spot for those of you that like golf. So, um, so I will show you this is what I do, and maybe you can add it to what you're doing or what you're already doing. And you say, well, man, 15, 20, 30 minutes, I, I can't do that. Can I ask you this? I love you, but how much time did you watch football yesterday? It was hours for me because there's a lot of good games on yesterday. And um, anyway, I won't go into all that because I'm on my honeymoon. I don't want to talk about certain teams and certain teams. But, um, but I spent a lot of time watching football yesterday. So if we can carve out all that time watching stuff like that on TV or looking on our phones, playing games and stuff like that, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, can't we give that to the Lord and allow him to speak to us? So we need to do that every day, right? We need to feed ourselves spiritually every day, but then at least once a week come together corporately as we're doing right now. Now, I told you last week, and this is just kind of me getting off on a tangent, and I promise you I'm not off on a tangent now, all right? But last week, one of the things I said to you just in conversation was, I'm not the most tech-savvy person that's around. You may not remember that, if, and that's fine if you don't. I, I, if anything I said last week, that is not what I want you to remember. So I'm really not tech-savvy, but, but for those that are, and whenever I've had a computer problems, I've had a tech-savvy person tell me, that 98% of our computer problems could be corrected if you just shut the machine down and restart it. Amen. I can figure that out. I, I'm tech savvy enough to know how to shut a computer down and to restart it and it refresh and it just works properly. That's what corporate worship is, at least for me. It's an opportunity for us to come together as the bride of Christ, as the, as the body of Christ, and to hit restart, to hit refresh, and it allows us to begin a brand new week. It's not Monday. The week starts on Sunday, and it's a way for you to start a brand new week, you know, with the Lord. So we've come together this morning talking about worship, and when you think of worship, I don't know what comes to, my, comes to your mind, but what used to come to my mind when it comes to worship is what our leaders did this morning. They led us in worship through song, and they did a wonderful job, didn't they? Can we just thank the Lord for them? And uh, from what I've heard... We've got a ton of people with musical abilities and talents here, and we look forward to using as many of you as, the, as you feel led in our music ministry as you lead us together in worship. But years ago, when it came to worship, I thought worship was basically one or two things. I've got to go to a church building, and then we're going to be standing up and we're going to be singing. But worship is so much more than that. Yeah, worship is singing and praising God, but worship is hearing from God. Worship is opening up his word and allowing his word to speak to us. Worship is crying out to God. I mean, have you ever been in a point in your life where you just like hit your knees on purpose for the purpose of just simply crying out to God for him to work and to move in your life? Worship is loving God. Worship is, we don't hear this a lot in Baptist. We don't hear this a lot in hardly any churches anymore, but worship is this, surrendering to God. I met with a couple yesterday that I'm going to have the privilege of marrying in December. 
which is a great time to get married, I think. And, um, and I told him, I said, you know, I had a, a part of my journey went, was a law school detour for a while. And I found out this is not what God wants me to do. I was trying to bargain with God. That's a story for another day. But what it allowed me to do was it allowed me for a season of my life to sit under a pastor that God used to touch me so that I could surrender. (laughs) And he just retired. Great, great man of God. Worship is surrendering to God. Worship is also trusting God. So last week we talked about biblical authority. Today we're going to talk about, does it work? If not, help me out there, folks. Amanda, I'm giving it to you. All right. Hey, there we go. Transforming worship is what we're going to talk about today. And if there is a big idea, if you will, if there's a big idea of this message, it's that we become more like Jesus through transformational worship. Transformational worship transforms me. Transformational worship transforms you as well. And with that in mind, with your Bibles open to Luke chapter 8, I want to introduce you to a woman who came to Jesus who was, and she was desperate. She was in desperate need for a situation, for a condition that she found herself in. So she comes to the master. She comes to the only one who could transform her. And we read about her in Luke chapter 8. So if you got your Bibles open, uh, look with me in Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 40 and 48. So here's what the Bible says. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying now. I don't know about you, but when I read about Jairus and him having a daughter who's 12 years of age, I think of mine. So if you've got kids, this story resonates with you. So Jairus is coming to Jesus because Jesus is the only one that can meet his need, but that's just part of the story here. Look at verse um, the latter part of verse 42. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, and she touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased, and Jesus said, who was it? That touched me. <laughs> and when, when everybody denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you. They're pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. And he said to her, and I think these are some sweet, sweet words. He called her daughter. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your your word today. Um, And Lord, I just pray that you would just reach out and touch our hearts today, that we would uh, give you the opportunity to speak into our, not only our hearts, but into our minds as well as we worship you. And Father, um, may we simply just be in awe of who you are and maybe like Jairus and maybe like this woman, may we just fall down and worship you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, would you transform us today uh, through your son, Jesus Christ, and may your word speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name and church family. If you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Someone has called this story, I love this story, someone has called it a miracle within a miracle. And that's really a good, that's an apropos. It's a miracle within a miracle because Jesus is on his way to work a miracle 
when he works another miracle. A man in the synagogue, let me just rehash the story for you a little bit. A man in the synagogue, very important man, his name was Jairus, came to see Jesus because he had a desperate need in his life. Uh, he had, he had his, his youngest daughter, his 12-year-old daughter, as far as we know, maybe the youngest daughter he had, but his 12-year-old daughter was dying, deathly sick, and he knew the only one that could heal her, the only one that could save her is this man called Jesus. So Jesus is making his way across town to go to Jairus' home and to heal this young girl. And as he's on his way there, this unnamed woman just reaches out in faith and touches. You know, she doesn't grab hold. The Bible doesn't say that. She just kind of touches just the fringe, just the hem of his garment. So while Jesus was on his way to work a miracle, he works this other miracle. And there's several truths about worship and how worship can be transformed by looking at this particular passage. And my hope is that when God brings this message maybe to mind this afternoon or later on this week, maybe for you, you can ask the Lord this question and just make it personal. Lord, as, as a result of what I've heard today when it comes to transformational worship, how can my worship of you be different? Well, let me just share with you these several truths, if you will. And the first one is that Jesus always desires and he deserves your worship. Y'all agree with that? Yeah, he always deserves. I mean, no one else is worthy, worthy of worship. It's one of my favorite old hymns. Amy talking about the Baptist hymnal, that might be hymn number 200. I'm not sure, depending on the hymnal. But uh, Jesus is always deserving and desires our worship. So keep your Bibles open and look at verses 43 and 44. The Bible tells us this woman comes to Jesus. We don't know her name, but we know her condition. And the Bible says for years she had this discharge of blood and it was painful. It was some type of internal hemorrhage and this bleeding went on constantly and would not ever, ever, ever go away. And the Bible says for 12 years, 12 years she had this particular type of condition. For 12 years, she was in physical pain, but because of that, not only was she suffering physically, man, she was suffering emotionally because she had this discharge of blood, she was considered ceremonially unclean. Meaning she couldn't do anything that we do today. Even though we got COVID and we're kind of getting around all that, she couldn't do anything. You think wearing a mask is bad and staying at home is bad. She couldn't do squat. By the way, that's not in the Bible, but she really could not do squat. She couldn't do anything. She was ceremonially unclean. She couldn't go to church to worship. She couldn't go to the temple. She couldn't go to the synagogue. Why? Because she was considered ceremonially unclean. And what gets under my skin, even before COVID, right? It's we've got so many churches scattered here, there, and everywhere, and nobody comes to worship. Some do, but a great majority of our country does not. Boy, don't we need a revival. Don't we need spiritual awakening? But she couldn't go to the temple. She couldn't go to the synagogue. She was ceremonial unclean. That had to mess with her emotions. She couldn't be touched. You know, there's power in a human touch. She couldn't be touched. She couldn't, um, not only could she not touch someone, nobody could touch her. It was almost like she was leprous. You know, if you were a leper back then, you would have to, if you were, if you were a leper back then in the first century, and let's just put our church, let's put this building back in the first century. If we were back in the first century, and if uh, somebody that had, leprosy came in the door they would have to announce you know that they were a leper and if they did that guess what we're going to do we're going to scatter we're going to scatter big time we're not going to want to be around such a person but she was just cut off from everything cut off from her family excluded from her friends 
I mean, just shut out from the community. She was just all by herself. And then the Bible says she spent all of her money on physicians. You know, if it, was, it would say, if it would say physicians and lawyers, we can kind of make a joke about that, but we're not going to do that. But she spent all of her money on physicians, and they didn't make her any better. If anything, they made her worse. And there was no one, no one whatsoever in her day and time that could heal her. So for 12 years, she's struggling, and just struggling just to, to do life. But somewhere along the line, she probably gave up hope. And if you live long enough, you probably have met someone, maybe someone you love, that's been there, and they've given up hope as well. Maybe it's even been you at some time in your life. And when I think of this lady, and we don't know her name, maybe she was thinking this way. You know, I've seen everybody I know to see. I've done everything I'm known to do. It's not going to get any better than this, but y'all know what happens? She hears about this man named Jesus. <laughs> She hears about the only one that can bring power to heal someone that's in a hopeless situation. So she heard about him, and she makes her way to him, and she, and she reaches out to him because she had heard about this man named Jesus, about the one that could take somebody that was lame, that couldn't walk, who could, who could bring healing to those legs and make those legs walk again. She heard about the one that could touch a, a blind eye and to bring sight back to that blind eye. She heard about this man named Jesus that could take an ear that's, that's mute, that's deaf rather, and could make that ear come alive again and could hear. She had heard about Jesus, how he even touched the dead person, and that dead person got up and walked. I mean, she heard about this miracle worker who's the son of God. And by the way, that's who we're worshiping today, right? Amen. Yeah, amen. She had heard about Jesus. And she comes to him because she was in that desperate of a situation. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 19, that people were constantly touching Jesus wherever he went because he knew that power or they knew that power just would come out of him. So here's what this woman did. She puts away her pride. She puts away her fear. She puts away her hopelessness and she pushes her way through the crowd. And with the hand of faith, with that outstretched hand, she just touches the hem of his garment. She didn't draw any attention to herself. I don't like drawing attention to myself. I really don't. She didn't draw any attention to herself. She hoped nobody would notice. She just there again, just reached out to touch the garment, the fringe garment that Jesus was wearing. You know, in all likelihood, uh, he wasn't wearing anything from men's warehouse, right? You know that little slogan there, you're gonna like the way you look, right? Jesus wasn't wearing anything like that. But what he was probably wearing on him was what was customary in that day. And she probably, when she reached out and touched Jesus, it was just a tassel on a square garment that kind of went over his left shoulder and down his back. And she just reached out and touched just the fringe of that particular garment. Just touched maybe the tassel of that garment. No one would notice, but instantly she knew that when she touched that garment, she was immediately what? She was healed. She was healed. Now, friends... I love that because that hand reaching out in faith just to touch the fringe of his garment, that's the heart of worship. And I submit to you that is the essence of worship as well. Worship is when you, it's when I realize that we are broken and we need, we need what only Jesus can offer to make us whole and to make us heal. So because God is holy, because he is mighty, because he's worthy, because he is powerful, he deserves our worship, but also because he is good and loving and kind and compassionate and gracious. He knows our deepest needs, right? 
He deserves and he desires our worship. So I want you to see in this particular story that worship isn't something we just give to Jesus when we sing a hallelujah, which is a great new song, by the way. Worship is when we say, Lord, I need help. Y'all ever been there? Lord, I just need help. I need you to provide for me what nobody else can do. So no matter what your circumstances happens to be, Jesus desires your worship. So what does it mean for you? Come to, you, come to him when you're hurting. Come to him when you're joyful. Come to Jesus when you don't know whatever step that you're going to take next, but you come to him because I believe the one that deserves and desires your worship will answer you. All right, let's move on. Y'all okay? Say amen if you are. All right, so I hadn't lost you. At least I hope not. But then secondly, Jesus knows, he knows, don't y'all like this one? He knows whether we're worshiping him or not. And if you got your Bibles open, look at verses 45 and 46, because every now and then when I read scripture, I find it somewhat humorous different times. It may just be my mind, not yours. But here we see something very interesting in verses 45 and 46. Jesus asked these words. He said, who touched me? Don't you wonder how you would have said that? You know, in my mind, I'm, I think like MC Hammer can't touch this, right? Y'all remember him? Jesus is saying, who touched me? Hey, yeah, I wonder if he said it that way. Hey, I wonder who touched me here. And by the way, he knew who touched him. But he asked the question, who, who touched me? And everyone around him, this is where I think it's funny. Everybody around him after Jesus said, who touched me? Are going, I didn't touch him today. Did you, you, you look guilty. I think, Jesus, this is the one who touched you. But he's like, I didn't touch him. So everybody's asking the question, did you touch him? Did you touch him? I think you touched him. No, none of us touched him. And then Peter, Peter says, Jesus, Jesus, Lord, master, there's people pressing in all around you. That word pressed, uh, Luke uses before. Um, earlier in the chapter here when he talks about the parable of the of the sower and the seed in that parable Jesus talks about how the seed is thorn is can be thrown and, and planted upon different types of soil and one of the soils is thorny and yet when that seed begins to grow it can't produce any grain because the thorns are choking it out or crowding it out they're pressing in on him so so that's the word picture that Dr. Luke gives us here to think about how many people are pressing upon Jesus if you're a germaphobe you would not survive that because every, there's no social distancing going on in place here. There's no personal space. Everybody's just crowding in upon Jesus here, most likely a very, very narrow street, pressing in upon Jesus, and he asked the question, who touched me? So Peter being Peter's trying to say, hey, Jesus, look at all these people around you. Everybody is touching you. Well, go back to the woman here. She touches just the fringe of his garment, right? She probably felt that what she did was insignificant. She probably felt like what she did went entirely unnoticed, right? And she knew in the middle of this large crowd, surely nobody would see her intentionally reaching out, touching Jesus. But, but Jesus knew, and it makes me say this to you, Jesus knows when we come into a building like this, a gathering like this, whether we're really here to worship him or whether we're just here for other reasons. Hmm. So Jesus says, hey, somebody touched me. For I perceive that power has gone out from me. Now listen to this. Many people were pressing in, right? Just like today on a Sunday, there are many people around the world that are gathering in places like this. But you wonder how many are truly worshiping him. By the way, you really can't worship Jesus unless you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And this woman was just reaching out to him. And it's, it's a reminder that 
that Jesus knows the one. He knows the heart of the one that's truly reaching out to him. You know, several years ago, I think I shared this last week, we, um, we went to New York City at Christmas to hear David Jeremiah preach, Casting Crowns was in concert. It's a wonderful time uh, during the Christmas season. And, and one of my boys that went just really loves basketball, so I thought, all right, we're going to go watch the Knicks attempt to play basketball because the Knicks haven't been good at basketball in a long time. So, so we went to see the Knicks play, uh, you know, catching a game at Madison Square Garden, and I had no idea how expensive seats are at an NBA basketball game. So y'all know what I did, right? Because I'm a preacher. I got the cheapest seats around. We were up in the nosebleed sections, and if you squinted good enough, you can see the guys playing basketball down there. So just imagine, have I got y'all there with me at Madison Square Garden? All right, so you're there with me in the nosebleed sections, and we're up there watching the Knicks attempt to play basketball. And just imagine that the PA announcer would say, Rod Elliott, we hear you're in the house. Please report to the bench of the Knicks. Stretch, right? Just a tad. So I go down there and I meet the head coach of the Knicks. And he's like, hey, you got, you got some sneakers? No, I'm in my loafers. We're going to give you some sneakers here. And we want you to get into the game. We've heard you got a, you got a wicked shot. Yeah, it's wicked, all right. It's terrible. <laughs> but we want you in the game. Now, would that ever happen? No. I would be a totally embarrassment to my family. I would be an embarrassment to you, my church family. You say, well, what's that got to do with what we're hearing today? Because when it comes to worship, he doesn't want you to be a spectator in the stands. He wants you in the game. He wants you to have that heart of worship where you're just reaching out to touch the hem of his garment because you know he is the only one that can move mountains, if you will, in your life. God desires our worship. You know, too many times I think we think that worship is what we, is what we get out of coming to a service like this. No, 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 no. Worship is what we bring to a service like this. That's why it's so very important that you feed yourself spiritually throughout the week. So when we come together as a body of Christ, like what we're doing now, we bring to him our worship and we come to him so that we can hear from him, so that we can cry out to him, so that we can, hey, praise him, right? You say, you Baptist? Yeah, I'm Baptist. But hey, every now and then we need just to praise him. So he's worthy of our worship. And then another truth I think we get from this um, particular text today is that Jesus knows not only that we're truly worshiping him, but he reveals himself to others through your worship. Look at verse 47. Jesus brings this woman out in the open. Remember, she's probably thinking, I want to touch the hem of his garment. I want to get healed from this physical ailment that I've had for 12 years, and I'm on my way. No, no, no. Jesus knows. So he brings her out in the open. And she must have thought, I am such a good distance away from him. He doesn't know what I've done. But he calls her back. And y'all see what the Bible says of her? She falls down trembling at the feet of Jesus. And there again, that's a beautiful picture of a heart of worship. Jesus wanted others. Why did he do that? Was it to say, how dare you? No. He wanted others to hear from her lips what he did for her. That's why sometimes if you come on a Wednesday night, we want to give you an opportunity not only to pray together, but to praise together. You share what what God has done in your life. And he wanted her to be able to tell others what he had did in their life. Worship, this is a good word. At least I think it is. Worship is a very, very personal matter. It's a personal issue. But it should never, ever, ever be private. It's personal. 
but your worship of the great I am should never be private. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, to follow Jesus means I'm going to follow him in such a way that others are going to know I have decided to follow Jesus. That's why we give an invitation. It's part of our worship. We give an invitation so that those that have decided to follow Jesus can, can, can share it with you guys. Hey, I've met Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's forgiven me of all of my many sins. I'm declaring that to you today. And we ask people to walk an aisle to share with a church family that most important decision that God has spoken to their heart about. Why do we come together and sing? Hey, think about that. Y'all ever thought about that? Do y'all ever do that in your boardroom where you work? Do you ever do that in your schoolroom? Maybe you did when you were in elementary school. You might sing in the bathroom, but we're not gonna get into that. But when we come to this place, right, we come to, to worship. It's personal, but it should never, ever, ever be private. And Jesus knew, Jesus knew that there was at least one in the crowd that needed to hear what he could do for them. And that person's name was Jairus. Remember the one that had the 12-year-old daughter that needed to be healed? So if anybody needed to hear what Jesus could do, it was Jairus, right? And as, as Jesus was about to let this lady just give a testimony about what Jesus had done in her life, all these runners come up to, to Jerry's like, hey, Jerry's, don't worry the teacher any longer. Your daughter's dead. Jerry, has, who knows how he felt at that moment? Well, we probably can identify with how he felt at that moment because if you, there again, if you live long enough, you've lost somebody you love to death. By the way, I'm doing a funeral later on this afternoon back in Hartsville and don't really know a lot about the family, but I knew the person that passed away. So when you think about me this afternoon, if you think about me, and if it's good, right, which I know it is, uh, pray for me because I really want to speak words of comfort uh, to this particular family. So going back to this, if anybody needed, needed to hear what Jesus could do, it was Jairus. And it just makes me wonder how many people in churches today like ours need to hear of what Jesus can do in their life. But they might need to hear from you and from what Jesus has done in your life. Y'all with me? All right. So every Christian needs to carve out some times to be with the Lord. It's personal, but yet it's corporate as well. So when we come together corporately, yeah, we're singing and we're praising God. That's part of worship, right? And y'all did it beautifully this morning. Thank y'all so very much for that. Worship is also coming together and seeing folks being baptized. Worship is coming together around the Lord's table when we do that at various times of the year. Worship is when we gather together and we pray for one another. Worship is when we give of our tithes and our offerings. And, and let me thank y'all for giving that because there's a lot of churches I know of, not only here in, when I, in the greater PD area, if you will, of churches that are closing their doors because there's no finances coming in. So, hey, thank y'all for giving your tithes and your offerings. Worship is, is, is that. Worship is preaching the, the, the truth of God's word. Worship is also how you respond in faith to what you've heard from the preaching of God's word. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, the Bible says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing nigh. So now, I know COVID has got people maybe in a habit of not coming to church. Encourage them to come back to church with you. Can I, just, can I meddle a little bit? I might feel a whole lot better about myself if I meddle. So I'm going to meddle. I'm going off on a tangent here. Y'all still love me? All right. Okay. Cause I'm about to meddle. 
I know we're in COVID. I know we're wearing masks. But if we could go to Walmart and out to eat and the ball games and go here, there, and everywhere and wear a mask, you can come to church and wear a mask. Just saying. And I love you. I love you. Just saying. Love y'all too, listening in. But people just need to be back in church. Wearing a mask, not wearing a mask. But anyway, I don't know about you, but I feel a whole lot better having said that, got that off my chest. But anyway. So Jesus, it's important for us to be in church. Hey, he went to church. So if he went to church, so should we. Wow, I got to move on. Let me, let me move on to the last point here. Let that sink in. Jesus meets your deepest need when you worship him. And I bet you anything, there's a number of you in here today that can testify to that that he meets your deepest need when you worship him. If you got your Bible still open, just peruse verse 48. The Lord's words to this woman are simply beautiful. It's the only time in the Gospels Jesus uses this particular word when he's talking to somebody. Y'all see what he calls this woman? We don't know her name. But he looks at her and he says, daughter. Calls her daughter. Your faith in me has made you well. Think about it. For 12 years, this woman had been defiled. For 12 years, she was destitute For because she couldn't work and because of her condition she was in. For 12 years, she was discouraged. For 12 years, she had to be depressed. For 12 years, she had to be discouraged, and she was desperate because of her illness. I mean, it just made life unbearable. And then she met Jesus, and he met her deepest need as she reached out to worship him. So listen, when you come to Jesus in worship, I believe with all my heart, he's going to meet your need. When you spend all your time and money on things that haven't worked, when you're desperate and you've given up hope yourself and you come to Jesus, I believe in that, that he will meet your deepest need. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what other people might think, but be afraid of Jesus passing by and look, and you're not reaching out to touch the hem of his garment. Because his worship is transforming. There's a sweet lady that's now with the Lord, and she, and, uh, she married her childhood uh, friend. They became best friends. The older they got, they got married and spent the majority of their adult life in the ministry. Um, you may have heard, maybe not of him, but you've heard of their church. They used to pastor a great church in Charlotte called Hickory Grove Baptist Church. Uh, her name was Teresa Brown. And Teresa is the pastor of Joe Brown, and um, for many a years, uh, she struggled fighting cancer. And some of you know what that's like. Some of you have had family members that have fought cancer as well. And one day, Teresa Brown went into um, a, a room where she was getting her radiation treatments, and it was very cold. It's very somber. And she's up there lying on this medical table where this machine is going to be going around her administering treatments. And, uh, and she's there, and she's just desperate. And she begins to cry out to the Lord, and she begins to cry out psalms. She had the Bible hidden in her heart. And I don't know about you, but one of the things I committed to this past January, brand new year, was I wanted to try to memorize Scripture more than I ever have in my life. And the older I've get, gotten, I've discovered that's hard, the older you get to memorize Scripture. But I'm really working at it because I want to be able to be like her, that one day, if I don't have a copy of God's Word on me, I want to have it in my heart and in my mind, right? So she's there on this table 
getting her treatments and she's just praying. She's, she's remembering these Psalms and scriptures. And she says this, she says, Lord, I know you're in control. And I, I, and I love it when somebody can just be completely open with the Lord and talk this way. But she says, how can I possibly be better with cancer than when I didn't have it? How can I possibly be better now than I was then? And halfway through her, through her treatment session, a technician comes in and the technician um, says, hey, Miss Teresa, I heard a great new song at church. So y'all know this is a couple of years old. She says, I heard a great new song at church. Oh man, it just really lifted my spirits. And Teresa said, well, honey, why don't you sing it? You know, she's Southern. Honey, why don't you sing it? And the lady says, oh, no, 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 I'm not a singer. She makes some adjustments and she leaves. A few minutes later, she comes back to make some more adjustments and she begins to hum this particular song. And, and sure enough, Teresa Brown would testify, she really wasn't a singer. She was all over the place, right? But man, what a heart. And she sang something that went like this. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. And with that, she left the room. And Teresa thought, wow, I think I've just heard the voice of an angel. And it reminded her that wherever you are, even if it's getting treatment through cancer, you can make that an altar of worship. So Trey and Carson are gonna lead us in singing, Here I Am to Worship. And I'm just gonna give it to them. They may sing a, a stanza, or a verse or two, and, and then I'm going to come back and just give a, a concluding thought to that, but we just want to worship as they lead us in worship, all right? So guys, lead us. <laughs> 